are lead pastors at Sunset Church in Spokane, Washington, where we planted just about four years ago through ARC, and we love it, we love being a part of the tribe of ARC, and you know, even just recently I was thinking about how they've just been here for the journey, and it's like we went through a church merger, we've had some different opportunities that God has opened up for us inside of areas inside of our city, and it seems like every time there's something that we're just not exactly sure how to navigate, it's like you can call someone up and go, who else has walked this road already? You know, and they connect you with these other people who can give you wisdom and advice and encourage you from afar, and so that's the beautiful thing about art, is that there's somebody else that can come alongside of you and just help you understand how to do really well inside of the season that you are in. So I'm excited for this session and what you're going to learn about worship. That's right. You are in that session called Worship on the Weekends. And so if you're in the wrong room, stay. God had you here <laughs> on purpose for a reason. And uh, Pastors Joseph and Tasha, they're worship pastors at the Father's House in Vacaville. And the Father's House, if you don't know, is uh, a church that's very influential in worship culture. Um, they, we were worship pastors in our, our church before we planted with Ark for eight years. I was a worship pastor. Jamie didn't, didn't do much music, but uh, we got to be a part of their online worship school and read their books and train our worship teams, and they uh, just really influenced our life, and so it's actually an honor to get to meet them, and uh, you're in for a treat today, so we're going to kick off with the video, and uh, they'll come up right after that. Awesome. How's everybody doing? Good. We, uh... We wanted to show you that because you guys probably know nothing about us. Um, you didn't even know if our church sang in English or not. And so we just thought we'd just, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, it's good to be with you guys. And this is my wife, Tasha. Hi. Oh, and um, is that on? Okay. Um, right over here. Hi. Wait, everybody, Rich. This is Rich. You saw him on the video as well. He's our associate worship pastor uh, over our Napa campus. He helps us with our worship school called Worship Central Academy. Um, and uh, it's just an honor to be with you guys today in this uh, app session. Pastor Dave Patterson, you heard him this morning. He is Tasha's dad, our lead pastor, um, and uh, it's just amazing to serve under him. So um, we're just going to jump into this a little bit. Um, before we do, I just want to kind of see who's in the room. How many of you are lead pastors? Okay. How many of you are worship leaders, worship pastors? Okay. Awesome. How many of you did not raise your hand yet? Awesome. <laughs> You guys are on staff. You were someone that somebody else said, hey, go to that session and take notes for me. Um, that's awesome. Um, so if, uh, if I had to guess, I would assume that you're here in this session because um, you, are, you know, again, the description of it, which I have it here somewhere. Anyway, we'll get to that. But is you want it to, to have powerful worship experiences in your church, right? I mean, how many of you would say, I want our church, church worship experiences to be flat and lame? Uh, just no creativity and a pain to endure. No, right? Um, so the reason that we're here in the room, the reason you're here in the room, um, then I would venture, is because you're here in whatever expression you have in your church right now. At the end of the day, it's if we want these to be powerful uh, worship experiences that are more than just songs, more than just going through some some actions. And so um, we're going to share just a little bit of some tools that and some clues that we've learned over. Um, so the Father's House is 21 years old. Uh, we've been pastoring the worship community at our church for 14 years, um, and I didn't think that was a big deal, but the more we kind of like rub shoulders with people, like you've been at the same church for 14 years, pastoring the same, like I guess that's unheard of, but uh, we love our church, we love what God's doing in our church, and so, uh, but yeah, it's just been a, a wild ride. Tosh will tell you a little bit more about um, the church itself. So obviously, uh, Pastor David spoke this morning with Father, um, so he started the church and moved my mom 21 years ago. And they actually were worship pastors before that. They traveled with a little band before.
So their heart and passion for worship is really the source of how our church got started. And those eight people that you talked about earlier, they were worshiping, they were praying. And so really the DNA and just the structure of where we've we've got to inherit now stepping into uh, leading this community was all based out of the desire to just have the tangible presence of God in our services and be a congregation and a people and, and not to be weird and awkward in worship and just even that moment in that video, like we're waiting on Jesus. Okay, but why? Like, where, what are we doing? Where are we going? And really just cultivating an atmosphere of worship. So over time, obviously, uh, we've, we've expanded. We have six campuses now and different people leading at all those campuses and trying to sustain you know, the same DNA through all those locations and keeping the, the worship fresh and alive in our worship community. Um, over 100 people in that that we're always just working with and keeping just a, a strong desire and um, just the, the passion and pursuit of the presence of God. And so obviously us, I was like, you know, 10 years old when we started leaving this 14 years ago. Um, no, just kidding. I was like, wait, were you? What? This is weird. Uh, no, so we've been married 11 years with two boys and we, as we got married and we started leading the community together, it really is just a passion and desire for our hearts, not just for our church, but for the church globally to experience worship at such a level where it's it's tangible. It's not just songs. Because how many of you have been in those services, and maybe you've led those services, where it's just the same songs. And you're like, uh. But actually being in a service where you still can sing a song, but there's something, like you talked about this morning, that river that flows underneath and people are touched and changed and all that. So Yeah, yeah so... Um... Before we get into this, just a couple of little things. So the video there that you saw, just to encourage you, our church is 21 years old, right? So um, it's so funny because this last month has been really epic in our church family. Uh, the beginning of the month, I see Pastor Matt was in here somewhere. Yeah. There he is, Pastor Matt Olhoff over there. Matt and Bianca just planted TFH Orange County um, a couple the weeks ago. The 920 on the first day, that was them. They're the right Just like, okay. He boasts in the Lord, though. Um, so that happened. The next week, we planted our second prison campus uh, up in Vacaville. So we have a uh, – there's two prisons in our town. They look like one massive prison, but they're two separate ones. And we just planted our second prison campus. And then this last Sunday, um, our former youth pastors, we sent them out, and they launched TFH San Francisco on Sunday. Uh, so it's just been an amazing ride. But, again, it's 21 years in, and we've told – uh, especially our, our San Francisco crew. It's like, guys, remember what you've been a part of is 20 years in. Uh, and so to encourage everybody in the room here today, um, you might not be 21 years in. And I know it's, it's easy to look at even what this church, you know, amazing facility, amazing uh, stage and all that they have. See that video and you're like, I'm not encouraged right now. I'm more depressed than anything. Um, but I, I, you know, for me, I, I never forget, before I was at the Father's House, I was at a church of 100 people in a small town, and that's where I really got to lead worship for the first time and was doing two and three services a week. Um, I was lucky if I had a full worship team. How many bear witness with that? Okay. Um, I, I became the worship leader by default when our pastor's daughter at that time got pregnant and then stopped leading worship, and I was like, okay, it's me. Uh, the only, which was great, I was ready for that. The problem was I didn't have a drummer that was ready for that. So the guy that then came in and he was playing drums, I'm talking about like he would do fills and end his fill on two. So then you're like the whole band. Okay, there we are. Okay, you know, 
So, uh, how many of you guys, I mean, just, you know, it's not where any of you are at right now, right? Because they're sitting next to you. But, um, so, we say and share all this because if you're dealing with it, we've probably dealt with it. If you're frustrated in a certain situation, we've probably felt that frustration too. So, um, we just want to share with you, again, the, the topic today. Let me uh, share it again. A um, couple of things. Maybe you have full teams, right, and you're here, and, and you've maybe felt this feeling as well, that, okay, going through a set and having going through a set without train wrecking sometimes can feel like that is the epitome of church worship. And how many of the pastors in the room are like, man, when they go through a set and they don't train wreck, I say yes and amen, okay? <laughs> Let's not disregard the success of a train reckless service. Um, but maybe you're here in, the, in you know maybe you're in the situation where you don't have a full worship team. Maybe you're just starting. You don't even know what to do when you are starting. Uh, or maybe you have full teams and it just feels like, is that it? Like we have a full team and we got some lights and that, there has to be more. And we're here today to tell you that there is much more. And that's what I want to provoke you today. I think you're here in the core of your heart and your spirit. You're saying, we just, we want more. And so hopefully today, our prayer coming into this is that God would use uh, the, the years that we've got under our belt, some of the frustrations, the face plants that we've walked through, whatever, to help you, to encourage you, um, and just spur you on towards the higher thing that God has for your church. So again, to reiterate exactly why we're here from the, uh, the app is how do we make sure our worship times are more than just songs with quality that varies week to week? In this app session, we will share some of the key elements that have sustained a presence-driven worship culture at the Father's House for 21 years, and uh, so that's what we're going to dive into. Before I forget, at the end of this session, there's a reason you picked the session too, we're actually going to give you guys a copy of our latest album called Pursuit. Um, so at the door, on the way out, you'll get a free download card, um, every, every single person in this room. So we just wanted to give that to you. The caveat is you do the songs in your church, and you register with CCLI. Okay. Um, but no, we, we're really proud of this album. All these songs came out of our church. They were written in our church. Um, they have been tested in our church. We still sing them in our church. So um, they've been blessing our, our church and churches around, and we, we think that'll bless you too. To brag on my wife tonight, um, she'll be singing a song called We Open Our Hearts. It's the one that was on the video. Um, so that she's doing that tonight, and that's an honor that they would ask her to do that. Anyway, let's get into it, and let's uh, just share some of these clues with you again. How do we uh, incorporate, how do we execute presence-driven worship experiences? Um, and we're just going to share from our hearts, so it might be clunky, you know. Whatever this is. That's the recording one. Oh, is it? It's yeah. actually doing something. I thought this yeah. was a prop. We bring this everywhere we go to make ourselves look cooler than we really are. Um, We're here at the press conference. Yes. Okay, good. Okay, so we don't have notes, but you can take them. Number one, these are just random, no particular order, um, just clues that we have learned, and also hallmarks of our church. One of the cool things is with Pastor Dave preaching earlier, you already heard from our lead pastor. Some, I mean, that really is like the heart of our church, yeah. and so a lot of this is just going to now take... What he was saying and bring it down to the nuts and bolts for worship and uh, weekend uh, services. So number one, one of the clues we've learned is this. Make the presence accessible. Okay? Make the presence accessible. Um, in God's presence, you know this, but there's healing, there's salvation, there's deliverance, there's hope, there's vision for the future, there's clarity. Uh, all these different things. There's reconciliation. Miracles can happen in the presence of God. Right. And so um, ultimately, that's what, when we title this about making presence-driven weekend services and weekend worship experiences, it's so important because, you know, if we're leading people to songs, 
they could be entertained for 30 minutes. But if we lead people to the living God, then, you know, I'm not going to insult your intelligence. You know what happens when people meet with God, and it's like, it's whatever they need. There's eternal uh, things that happen in that. Um, you know, in charismatic circles, I grew up, you know, my whole life, been in charismatic churches and things, and uh, grew up in the middle of a legitimate revival at a church in Oakland, California. Um, and uh, so I'm so grateful for that uh, and that heritage. And then I think something that happened was, um, in charismatic circles, it started to seep into people that it's like, okay, well, we have to kind of sugarcoat God a little bit, when really what it was is people were just being weird, right? It's like God hasn't changed. Uh, when people meet God, it's like those that are far from God, those that think they hate God, those that think they don't need God, when they come into the true presence of God, all of that falls away. Right. Uh, like you heard Pastor Dave speaking about this morning, it's a, we have heard so many people that say, I'm not emotional. I don't even understand this church thing. And I just walked in and just began to weep. Right. And what is that? It's the presence of God. But So one of the clues that, that, that we've learned and one of our aims, it's one of our ministry philosophies, we critique our services every single week as a church. And it's all about basically this, this principle is making the presence of God accessible. Right. Uh, Pastor Dave shared this earlier today, but in Acts 15, you know, this is the, the council at Jerusalem. And uh, when they're saying, well, what do we do with all these Gentiles that are coming to faith, right? Like, what do we do with all these people that aren't like us? And in verse 19, he says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles right. who are turning to God. So at the Father's house, in our worship times, uh, in the preaching, in the parking lot, in the greeters, I mean, everything that we do, we just try to get rid of the things that make it difficult for people who are trying to come to God. That could be temperature, it could be shining lights in people's faces, it could be really bad sound, it could be uh, worship leaders that go off on their own deep, dark tangent for 15 minutes, right? I've had to learn these lessons, maybe if you're a worship leader in the room, you've had to learn these lessons, but it's like, in this effort to go after God, uh, we leave people behind. One analogy that we've, uh, that kind of helps with this is... um, what we don't do is we don't go play in the deep end and leave all the kids in the shallow end to figure it out for themselves. Right. And so, um, so what we do is we just we want to bring everybody along at the same time. And so this, like I said, it touches the practical, but even how we lead, even what songs we lead. Um, and I think I was talking to John earlier. I think I saw John slip in. There he is. Uh, amazing. John Larson from Highlands. He's, He's amazing. He's a voice of a lion, you guys. Yes, he does. Um, I was so enraptured with who you are, I forgot what I was even going to say about you. Oh, it was this. Uh, So how many of you guys have done that song, Living Hope? Uh, Brian Johnson and Phil Wickham. Um, It's an amazing, amazing song. It's like resurrecting on steroids. Yeah. Like, you're just like, what is this song even saying right now? And it's just like the heavens part and glory beams come down when you sing the song. So, but the great thing is this, is that um, I think Phil Wickham's version is on uh, Caleb. Somebody confirmed or not? Is it on? Does okay. anyone here listen to Caleb? So here's the great thing. Here's the great thing, okay? We're not here to talk about okay, whether you love or hate Caleb. Mute. Caleb is doing way better than they ever have. So it's true. amen. It's true. And here's the thing is when we do a song that is actually being done on Caleb, you watch right. the whole worship atmosphere of the room just whoosh. Why? Because they know the songs. Yeah. That's a bit of a tangent. But the point is this. Make the presence of God accessible. Um, at its unadulterated, unmanipulated, purest essence, the presence of God is the most accessible, attractive thing 
in the universe. When sinners come into the presence of God and experience the mercy of God, man, I don't care anything else. I'm experiencing mercy. When the sick come into the presence of God and they experience true healing and the healer, I mean, nothing else compares to that. So us as churches then, it's our culture, it's our expressions, and all the other stuff we surround it with that can make it hard for people to come to God. In Acts 15, it was circumcision. Luckily, that's not the issue here today, unless it is. And I think there's a session maybe in room seven where they're going to talk about that. But um, so, so as a church, that's always been our thing. It's like, what are we doing? Whether it's Christianese, you know, we always evaluate, how did we welcome people today? And was it welcoming? Um, and, and in all of this, that's why I love ARC, um, is it's all of like the really practical, let's just love people, welcome people, make it easy for people to connect to church. And yet at the same time, we want the presence of God. Right. Uh, that's what I love about this movement and this organization. And so number one there is uh, make the presence accessible. And we are going to leave room at, uh, at the end for some Q&A too. So if there's stuff that comes up, we're just trying to get enough of this to kind of seed the questions and all that stuff. Um, Oh, look at that. We're already talking about the army. I don't know how this right now. It's about tin font. I'm like, what? How are you seeing this? Looks like blurred lines. We actually have a couple of ways that we do this. Do you want to look at one of these? Or do you want to do this one or that one? Go or ahead. What do you want to do? I'll just jump in. Okay. How do we do this? Okay, let me give you some, some things here that could be useful in your setting. Um, so number one is we create strategic moments. This is one under one for your notes. And those of you that are doing outlines, you're confused. You're already on number one. So how do we make it accessible? So this is really 1A, actually. I just spoke this weekend at our church, too, and I used 1A, like, sub points, and people laughed. And so anyway. Um, Personality type. <laughs> 1A is this. Think holistically about the entire service. Um, so pastors in the room, um, you know, your worship people, you know, at their, you know, maybe it's their infancy or just ignorance of having not done it. They still need to mature. I'm not throwing rocks at them at all. I was one. I needed to mature. When they first start and they have this passion for God, it's like nothing is as spiritual as worship, <laughs> right? Worship people, come on. You know you thought this. I mean, you know, because the traditional model was worship is warm up for the word. And then I think we figured out, okay, no. And then we swung over this way. And it's like, no, no, worship is it, right? <laughs> if you interrupt our worship time, you are grieving the Holy Spirit. If you are cutting it short or if I'm going long because the Lord's moving and you come up and say we're not going, then you are grieving the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Right? This is real talk. This is church. You know what I'm saying? This is real. So, uh, it, what we try to do at our church, and I encourage you to do is, and, and with your teams, and just, uh, we're actually just in here for Pastor Rick Bizet's session right before this, talking about a life-giving culture, just having relationship with people and loving on people, and he's such a great example of that. But when you have that in your team and that relationship, especially lead pastors with worship pastors, worship leaders, it is so much better and easier to do ministry right. uh, because then it's it really it, spiritually we need to have this heart anyway. But especially as a team, it's like, God, if you want to move in worship, we say yes. If you want to wor- move in the word, we say yes. Right. If you want to move in the altar ministry time, we say yes. And there's times that I've been leading worship and I had like the set list of the year. You know what I mean? Like those of you that lead, you're like, this one's it. <laughs> I mean, if revival doesn't come today... Because this is the list. So I have one of those, and I'm leading, and it just felt like it fell flat, like in the last song or whatever. And so it just, you know, and I can't explain it necessarily other than just it felt like the room was done, 
felt like we were done, felt like God was done, everybody was done. So we're just like, and we just ended. And, and then after that, in the Word, and it was something in the Word, and this happens a lot, so I'm not getting very specific on the day. But I just, it's so much easier to do ministry when you just trust the Holy Spirit to go, God, if you want to use these songs today, that's awesome. Right. If you want to use the person in announcements today, awesome. Right. Like, if that's how you're going to move because you're talking about the potluck after church, I say yes and amen. Yeah. You know. Um, so just think holistically. You're like, what is this guy? I don't even know. Yeah. It's been a long day. I've had a chai latte. Uh, chai does weird things to me. Okay. Um, so think holistically about the entire service. Okay. Uh, we're leading people on a journey, and don't forget that, okay? Um, I think one of the most fulfilling things in church life, at least for me, once I got over my, like, weird aspirations and fantasies that I was going to be on the Passion Tour one day, like, that's what I wanted when I first <laughs> led worship. I'm like, surely this is what God's going to do in my life. <laughs> Chris Tomlin, David Crowder, Joseph Zondiger. That's what's going on. <laughs> so, as the Lord does, he leads you. Thank God for his grace and leading um, but the, leading people in local church, seeing people who, and what we do at our church, one of our things we do is all of our worship teams, everybody before church, we go out front and we greet people as they're coming in. And so sometimes people, what they do is they'll see our in-ears and you can see people that they're brand new. They don't know. And they're like, oh, this poor guy can't hear. <laughs> but he doesn't have it in. You know, you can just see the confusion. And I love it then because then when you go into service and then we'll be on stage and like when you see those people and their eyes are super big, like, why was the band out front? Like, because, you know, traditionally it's like, no, they should be in some green room somewhere, you know, eating grapes and whatever bands do in green rooms. Um, so honestly, the joy of my life, and, and just get this today, is when you can lead people that you live life with, and you know what they're going through, and you know that their relative is battling cancer, and they came in and you've never seen them lift their hands in worship before. Uh, and then you come into the local, I'm getting emotional. Um, then you see them in church, and they get the revelation for the first time, and they lift their hands. <laughs> Nothing. Like, take your tour. Right. Tours are great. We love people that are on tours. But in the local expression, that's what this is about. Making the presence accessible when a real person going through real stuff meets a real God. And it's because you could get your ego out of the way. And you could get your stuff out of the way and just say, God, it's all you. You should talk. I'm turning up because you're turning up. Or worship people. Who's a crier? He's a crier. I'm a crier. He's always crying. I'll be back. That's our heart. That's our passion. And um, it really is getting yourself out of the way. Like, and it, sometimes that's hard as worship leaders and musicians because it's about our talent and our gifting and the ability. And so sometimes that can get blurry because you're like, oh, but look what I just did. But when you get all of that out of the way, like he's saying, and you're, you remember, I am not performing. This is not a performance. I'm not on American Idol right now. This is serving the body of Christ. This is serving God's people. And this is serving the local church. When you can position yourself in that kind of mindset, it's a game changer. And I think a lot of times, especially when you're in smaller churches, you're in smaller sites, you just, the ambition and the, the motivation to be something. You see all these other churches on Instagram and they're posting all this stuff. And it's like, this thing starts getting in your spirit. We're like, we have to be this. But when you get all that out of the way and you just get back to the basics of like, why are we doing this? 
oh, it's because we're serving God's people. We're building the kingdom. When you get that in the right perspective and then you, you translate that to your team, to your community, it is such a game changer and it gives you so much more fulfillment than any other performance or any other thing would ever give. And so it really is just, I think even, you know, in the holistic, as he's saying about the whole service, it really does come back to the root of whatever's in your heart as a, as a worship leader, as a pastor, is just to realize this ain't about us. Yeah. Like it is not about us. God's going to use what's in us, yeah. but that's not the ultimate goal. So even when you do great and the compliments come or you totally train your and forget every single word, whatever the case, it's not about you. Yeah. And when you get that in the right perspective, you will begin to see something unlock within your church so like good. never before. And I think a lot of churches are lacking that because of the humility and just embracing. It's being confident in who you are in God and standing on a stage and being able to declare and sing out and be the lion like John. You know, and you're just like, ah! and everyone's like, yeah, but not being like, did you hear that? Right. Yeah. No, getting off the stage and be like, okay, so what toilet needs to be cleaned? What do we need to do? It's positioning yourself in the right place, and then God will exalt you and use your gift to open up the heavens over your church right. like never before when we Come get on. this in the right perspective. Yeah, yeah. you know what I love about our teams, and not everybody's perfect, but uh, one person in particular, brand new to our team, uh, she's the person that I'm like, God, whatever we did to deserve her coming, I say yeah. yes and amen. So she was at Hillsong College for two years. Uh, a roommate of one of our uh, girls on staff, and uh, she was a worship pastor for a while, but anyway, just, you know, God called her to, to come to our church, and so we've just been walking through the process, and I'm like, hold, 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 don't ever leave worship yet, not yet, let her get planted, and I'm like, you know, so I'm just like, as the worship, I'm like, please, I just want to let her sing, um, and uh, so, but the great thing was, then when she finally came onto the team, what we do at our church is when it's altar ministry time, and he's wrapping up the service, because we usually have like seven singers across the front. That's just a lot of people to file back up on stage, right? So we have our worship leaders go up with the band, and then we tell our singers, we're like, hey, if you guys could just stay and help in altar ministry and help pray for people. So this girl on her first day, and I'm talking like, I mean, she's singing songs in my range, like, you know, um, she's just really talented, really humble. And what blessed me is every single service, when some of our people who've been on the team for a while aren't, she's down front praying for people and I'm just like see this is it right here it's that holistic thing and when you have your whole team thinking holistically of like god it might not be the right. verse that I sing but exactly. I might be praying for somebody in the service like this is what goes into yes. this culture of what we're talking about this presence driven this is not about a chord progression we're not going to talk about chord progressions today well actually that's a lie um, but that's not the point. It's not these like real practical steps of like these presence driven worship times. And some of them are more practical than others. I, I would say if you looked at our teams and, and what happens in our church, and we're going to get to that and I want to get to it right now, um, is it's about more of like what Pastor Dave was preaching about today. It's about the river that's underneath. And um, so let's just go there, shall we? Um, the river underneath everything that we're doing. Um, I'm not going to regurgitate his message. In fact, thank you, Pastor Dave, for setting his time in this session. <laughs> so I refer to everything he said this morning. But the picture that I get is it's like this. And this is how we approach our worship ministry. We've got about 120 musicians and singers in four different campuses. Our prison campuses, we don't do live worship just because of the security issues and you know, bringing guitars and all that. And every week, the, you know, obviously, the wardens and all that wouldn't be comfortable with the potential of that. So we don't do live worship in the prisons. We do uh, video from our services. But um, through it all, 120 musicians and singers, I view it like this. It's our job is to make sure that the river is flowing underneath everything on the surface. 
So what you see on the surface, maybe it's this little 30-second moment in a set on Sunday, or maybe it's at one of our pursuit nights, which that's our uh, every Thursday night, 6 to 7 o'clock, uh, worship, prayer. Did you already say that? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I thought you said I just told him. Oh. So anyway, all of that kind of stuff, those are like little geysers that shoot up because of the pressure that's underneath in this river that's flowing. So really our job is just to watch what's happening in the river. Um, And so, again, some of the bullet points of that would be we've been doing monthly team nights with our worship teams every month since our church was uh, founded. So 21 years. It started out every other week in Pastor Dave and Donna's living room. Just everybody crammed in there worshiping. Uh, That was the moment where we would just encourage people to sing out and explore prophetic singing and stuff. Because, you know, in our expression, I think the first time I ever heard this, and actually, John, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but... I think we got this from Highlands, and it's something Pastor Chris said, is that on Sunday mornings, it's the showroom floor. But it doesn't mean we still don't change oil and rip out carburetors and do all that kind of stuff. We just don't do it on the showroom floor. Is that something he still uses, that analogy? And it's so brilliant. Because when you rip out the carburetors and change the oil on the showroom floor of Sunday morning, that makes it difficult for people to come to God. You track with the analogy? So what we do then is, you know, we don't pray in the spirit over the mic. We don't pray in the spirit at our altar times. You know, it's like that's not a showroom floor thing, but I, you better believe we believe in praying in the spirit and singing in the spirit. We do that at our believers meeting Thursday nights at Pursuit when we're just going after God. Um, and so we do seasons of fasting and prayer. We do life change retreats and all of that kind of stuff. Um, but that's all the river underneath. And so um, with our teams, we have our, our corporate fasts, corporate prayer times. We have our team nights. Uh, those run every month, like I said. Um, and, and it's awesome because it's not just us. Right. God has allowed us, and we haven't done it right all, you know, 100% of the time. But uh, we have a really, really healthy, passionate, humble, bold, uh, talented worship crew. Because we're all, like, everybody jumps in on corporate fasts. Everybody jumps in on capital campaigns. Everybody's just, they're all in. And when you're not, it's just kind of obvious. And so then we talk to people and we just say, hey, this is what we do here and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, God, he moves people around as they do. Um, but if I was going to encourage you with this, I would say this. And we can, you know, if you have more questions, you can ask them or we can connect afterwards and even beyond conference. But our monthly team nights are probably the most substantial thing we do um, as a worship ministry in this regard. So... Uh, things like, and they're doing it at Highlands, and you can tell. So this morning in the set, right, we're a bunch of just you know people thrown together to do worship. We've never led worship together. But even in those little just turnaround moments in between songs, or when John's exhorting uh, on resurrecting, or when, or when Tosh was singing the little part on uh, what a powerful name, it's like, have you ever experienced, and let's not even say about this morning, but you've been in a worship time, and somebody's leading worship, and you're just like, they said five words. Why did that feel like dynamite in the spirit? And I've done stuff like that, it just feels, or, you know, somebody else has done it and it feels, so what is that? There's a river underneath. And when that river is underneath, even those quick little shots, even just like, come on, lift your voice and praise, you're like, yeah, I want to lift my voice and praise, right? But then somebody else is like, lift your voice and praise, you're like, don't tell me what to do. This is real life right here, So... Don't tell me what to do. Call it the river. You can call it what the Bible says. That's anointing. 
Anointing is cultivated. Anointing is protected. Anointing has a very descript uh, ingredient list. If you look in Exodus when they were putting together the anointing oil. And God said, don't make anything else that's even like this. This is the pattern. This is how you do it. And so because of it, it is effective. And so if we had to put it into biblical terms, which is always great. River is a biblical term too. But it's go after the anointing with your teams. Protect the anointing with your teams. Uh, the anointing comes through pressing. We press the anointing in times of fasting. Right. Um, all of that stuff. I mean, this is the stuff where, and this will be our heart for you guys too. And because you see it, you know, in, in many churches, we, we do it as well, you know, all, unfortunately. But um, it's this thought that you can practice for two weeks. You can go through all the parts, nail the tracks. Lighting can be on point. Everything can be on point on that Sunday and it falls flat and it's because of lack of anointing you know it's the Bible didn't say it's your songs that break the heavy yoke it's not the sermon that breaks the heavy yoke it's the anointing that breaks the heavy yoke what people need when they come into our churches is not there's this new progression that you threw on how great is our God this week and that was like that was it they went to art conference that's where they learned that I know (laughs) no what people want to know is like when that girl opens her mouth, right. when that guy opens his mouth, there is something different. Yep. And the thing about the anointing in the Old Testament is like when somebody was anointed, it was there was no guessing because of how fragrant it was. When you look yeah. at the list of if there was frankincense and there was, you know, all this stuff, vetiver, I'm sure. I don't know. I mean, the essential, essential oils, oils. <laughs> patchouli. And like eucalyptus, I'm not. <laughs> Look it up in Exodus, you can see what they actually had in it. But it was very fragrant. So if somebody was anointed, you would smell the anointing. Okay, um, that's what people want. Yes. They might not know it. They might not know how to define it. But when they come into your church, whether your church is 50 people in a rented ballroom of a hotel, right. which we do church in a hotel at our East Bay campus, whether your church is a renovation of a warehouse, which that's what our Napa campus is. Or if your church is established and you know longer and growing or whatever, and you have a building like this, no matter what, people are walking in. Exactly. So that doesn't happen by accident. Right. It's intentional. There's specific ingredients, and guess what? Bitterness doesn't help the anointing. Right. Um, self-seeking doesn't help the anointing. My verse and my song doesn't help the anointing. Pastor, I'm not done yet. Doesn't help the anointing. God says that there is an anointing on unity in Psalm 133. Okay, where the where the brethren dwell together in unity, God commands the blessing, and it even says it's like the anointing that is poured out on Aaron that flows down his beard and onto his clothes. So here's the deal: if you're in disunity with the head, obviously Christ, but then the head of your local church, the anointing can't get to you. Because you're not in unity. God can't get the anointing to right. you. Or for pastors, God can't get the anointing to your people. Which you're like, yeah, preach this. I've been telling this for years. You know, okay. We're going to move on. 37. Is everybody good? Okay. Yeah, good. Great. Tosh, what's I the Lord interesting speaking? I just want to say with this. It can be prophetic or just a thought. But uh, for some of you in the room that feel like you, even as he's saying that, you're like, Yes, this is what I've been wanting for my church. I just want to encourage you that, you know, there were seasons for us, and even obviously I was in the church since the beginning of time. And so there were seasons where you know that there's so much more that God wants to do. You can feel it in your bones. You're like, oh, like we want revival. We're crying out. Like we 
how come it's not coming or how come we're not getting the breakthrough or why are we hitting the lid? And maybe you feel that even right now or you just feel that in your spirit where it's like, I'm frustrated. But I just want to encourage you to turn that frustration into like holy frustration. You know what I'm saying? Like where it's no longer creating bitterness in you and like, fine, we're just not going to sing then. Like what's going to happen anyways? Or getting so angry. I'm just going to quit the team because nobody even cares. Nobody even wants what I'm wanting or whatever. Turn that frustration into that holy just intensity to go, you know what? No matter what, that thing that I feel inside, that I know that there's more, I know that there's this anointing, I want it, and so I'm going to run after it with all I have. Turn all of that into just this passion towards what God wants to do for your city, for your community, and for your life personally. If you are, are longing for more anointing over your own life and over your giftings and over what God wants to do, you pursue it with everything that you have. You will not regret the pursuit of Jesus in your own personal life. And you will watch as things just begin to start to open for you. And you begin to feel the frustration starts to turn into just like, what? Like God is, he's responding now. When we're worshiping, it's like, there's an open heaven. Like things are starting to shift. Oh my gosh, look at the congregation. They're lifting their hands. Oh my gosh, they're singing. They're singing the song right now. Like what? Or if you say, come on, lift your voice, church. And it's like, people are lifting their voices. Like things start happening because you're no longer frustrated with this thing inside, but you're pushing it towards, you know what, God, you put this in me and I'm going to give it back to you and and watch what you can do with, with this. So if that's for someone today, take it. That's awesome. Yeah, just as she was talking, I was just sensing uh, in my spirit. I think the biggest thing you can get out of this session is there's so many practical things. There's so, I mean, all the musicians and singers in the room, you know, there's, I mean, you you work your whole life. I mean, I I started playing piano when I was three years old, and I've been doing music from three (laughs) until now at the age of 22. Oh, God. Kidding, I'm 35. Oh, you're getting laughs, babe. So, um, like, it's your whole life. I mean, there's no shortage of practical things surrounding worship and production and music, and you know. And then there's new songs, and you got to learn those songs. And how do those songs go? What about the new sounds that are coming out, and you know, all that kind of stuff. I think the biggest thing you can get out of this session today is that that thing that's in your heart, however, like roaring fire passion for the presence of God. Or even for you, maybe just from life and church and just circumstances, it's like a little pilot light, just trying. Like, wherever it is, like, return to that. Uh, Like Pastor Dave was sharing this morning when when her sister, when she was young, said, Dad, you don't sing anymore. I think for everybody in the room, it's that thing of, like, yeah, I just want the presence of God. Like, so get back to that. Like, whatever that is, right? Matt Redman's song, The Heart of Worship, it really is that. Right? When the music fades and all is stripped away, I just simply come. God, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Yes. And it's all about you. Because honestly, people, at the end of the day, it's not so much about how great your playing is, although be a great player. It's not about how great your singing is, but be a good singer. Um, pastors, it's not about how great those people are in your church, although God anoints excellence. And excellence, obviously, is, is highly valued and, and to be highly valued. But when they can get on stage and burn for God, yes. uh, a friend of ours, Bob Sorge, uh, who's written countless worship stuff, uh, he was at our worship conference years ago, and he said, people don't come to hear your worship, they come to watch you burn on stage. Yeah. And so, pastors and that's for you too. It's like when people see yeah. somebody burning on stage for God, right. it's like, I don't, 
understand, but I want yeah. that. Yeah. You know, and he said, it might have been Jonathan Stockstill that said this too, is that when people see you just going for God on stage, mm-hmm. then they're like, I can't keep watching you. I have to. Exactly. It, it like deflects your gaze. Like I have to look at where, what they're looking at, you know. And so just return to that. The rest is details. Yeah. And the rest we'd love to help you with. And the rest, everybody, John would love to help you with. I mean, all this stuff. <laughs> John. I'm just going to give everybody John's email. He's <laughs> a lot of work. It's on the screens. So last little thing here, and then let's take some uh, questions and, and see what we can do there. But uh, the last one for today would be another clue is fight for unity. So I already mentioned this. I got ahead of myself. But Psalm 133, God commands the blessing where the brethren dwell in unity. So fight for unity. And it is a fight. Yep. Like, and we've had to fight for unity. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I just had the, the craziest meeting I think I've ever had in my professional ministry life with a guy who used to be on our teams and um, basically just, you know, it's like one of those situations where you kind of discern something, but you're just trying to give people grace. And then God, honestly, in his faithfulness, then he brings it up, brings it to the surface and, and it gets dealt with. So this meeting was that, but I was being accused of the craziest things like that. I've ne- like Anyway, I won't even go into them, but just attacks on my character, misunderstandings, all that kind of stuff. And you know, I had the shield of faith up because that stuff always, it's not fun. But it's, you know, someone across the desk just going, well, then you're this and you're this and, you know. Um, but the great thing in it, the, the blessing in all of it is, is that because we've created such a culture of unity, when there's a spirit of disunity, and I don't know if that's not actually a biblical term of the Holy Spirit, but that spirit behind disunity, uh, it just can't survive. It has to come to the right. surface because right. it's like, no, 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 that's not what we, right. that's not what we do here. Right. So on our worship teams, like when we, when we've sensed funk on somebody, you know, or when there is that thing of like, you know, that somebody came in thinking they were going to sing something and then it changed at the last minute. We're always quick to go like, Hey, I realize what that maybe felt like. And are you, are you okay? I think like, I know that that feels a certain way, you know? Um, or when you sense that on somebody, we're quick to go, Hey, you know, how are you doing? And we don't just pretend like it didn't happen. Yeah. So we're just quick to deal with this stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, the Bible says the yeast works through the whole lump, yes. right? So that little yep. thing, that little attitude, and this conversation that I've had, it started out with one little thing that nobody else picked up on and this person didn't deal with. Um, and then it started just every little thing. Oh, and then the microphones we use aren't good enough for you. And then you always have to have this belt pack and you're a prima donna. And all. I mean, these kind of things that I'm like, where is this even coming from? And it was literally what bitterness does and disunity does is it literally steals people's ability to think like a normal human, right? Because everything at this point is, oh, there they go again. Oh, that's what that was. Yep, saw that. And that all that spirit is like, oh. So we fight for unity. Here's the other thing, too, that, um, uh, that is important in this whole thing is that it's not just unity with your worship leader. It's not just unity with the worship team. Uh, worship teams, it's not just a unity with the pastor. If you're playing bass and you, and you bless you and you have something against the kids pastor, you can hinder the anointing from flowing that Sunday. Because in Proverbs, several times it has those lists where it's like there are four things that are uh, that God hates. Five are an abomination to Him. And guess which one makes that list every time? One who sows discord among the brethren. So if God hates something. Then that's why we fight for this because right. we're like no no no, no. Yeah. like we don't have time for that kind of stuff and, and anything that God hates and it exists in our worship community, 
He's not okay with right. this. And so we speak about it this plainly with our worship communities, and so people get it, you know. Uh, and luckily, God's grace is there. Back to where we started about the anointing. Uh, you know, the anointing, one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit is oil, right? And what does oil do? It lubricates. So the machine of your worship ministries and the machine of your church, when you give attention to the ministry of the oil, right, it's good. things just flow better. They're less abrasive as they're moving against each other. Like we're doing art conference and we fly home and we have our women's conference at the end of the week and then we've got a guest speaker. At our, I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces. Well, what helps it run without blowing up is the anointing. Right. It's the oil. That's why our pursuit night on Thursday nights is the most important meeting we have as a church. So everything we do for the oil has everything to do with unity. And, and it's like, hey, we can talk about some things. Maybe these could have run better. But without the oil, that would have been a catastrophic meltdown. And so just fight for unity. Mm-hmm. Fight for unity. Don't give uh, disunity some slack. Just go like, hey, man, I love you so much. But I just want to talk about this. Uh, and then, you know, deal with it from there. But does that make sense, everybody? Yeah. All right. So what did we say we're doing? Uh, let's just recap here. So make the presence accessible. Okay. These are just clues we've learned. And you do that by thinking holistically about the entire service. One thing we didn't talk about, this is really simple, though, is we plan for the spontaneous. So our services are pretty on a clock. Um, you know, our, our city, Vacaville, nothing really great happens in Vacaville. Um, we have the outlets. We have the outlet stores. That's about it. Um, actually, random fact, there was a high-profile funeral at our church last week, and one of the guests at that funeral was Donald Trump Jr., so that was kind of a big thing. Um, so that was random. But uh, anyway, so the funny thing is when we built our new building, it seats 1,900 people. Nowhere in Vacaville has anybody experienced when 1,500 people are leaving and entering a parking lot at the same time. So people are like, it took me eight minutes. Like, have you ever been to a concert? Like, it took me, like, 30 minutes to get out of Sleep Train Amphitheater when we saw Coldplay. You know, like, it's like, just buckle up and enjoy the ride, okay? So, why was I saying that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's a Plan? frustration. Oh, because we're on a clock. You're stealing here. Because we're on a clock. That's why I said that. So, uh, even just planning. So, what we, we do in every set. So, there's real practical for you. In every set, we always go, where's the pocket? Now, that's not like a jazz musician term. It is. But we're not using it in that way of like, hey, man, are you in the pocket? You know, um, It's where's the pocket where it's like a, a simple, repeatable progression that we know we can just kind of circle the runway once or twice just to go, God, what might you be doing? And just because in our California, you know, life, everything is so fast. One of the best things that we can do in our services is to go, hey, why don't you just take a deep breath and let's just wait on God for 10 seconds. And we always tell people how long it's going to be because then they, you know, we're getting, we want to make it accessible. Let's just wait on God. And then I like disappear somewhere. And like, Is this going to end? Um, so, so we all, come on, let's just take come on, 10 seconds. Why don't you lift your voice for 10 seconds and just tell God how much you love him. That's how we're just teaching people and making it accessible. But I love uh, Tim Hughes. Everybody know who Tim Hughes is? He wrote Here I Am to Worship. Um, just a great guy. One of the most local church hearted yet amazing, anointed songwriters, minstrels. Anyway, just amazing guy. And I remember being in a set with him, I've been a couple times where he was leading worship, and in as only the Brits can, you know, just in the middle of, you know, some song that every church on the planet is singing. And then he says, you know, I wonder if we could just take maybe 30 seconds, and let's just wait on God. You're like, well, if you say it like that, I'll give you 30 minutes. <laughs> um, but even just that simple, like, I, you know, I wonder if we could just... 
for 30 seconds, wait on God. And you're just like, that is the most refreshing thing I've heard all week. Because life is not like that, right? So just plan for spontaneous moments. It doesn't have to be, you know, again, we're kind of digressing back. But it used to be like when the whole service comes off the rails, that's when God moved, right? And it's like, no, 1 Corinthians 14 says he's a God of order, not confusion. I digress. Uh, But um, so even just planning those little moments, you know, one progression around, two progressions around. We teach our worship leaders, if you're not like getting slapped in the face by an angel after two progressions, move on. Okay. So anyway, maybe that's helpful to somebody. Amen. All right, good. Let's open up for some questions before uh, we got 10 or 11 minutes. Yeah. So practical ways to cultivate the passion and unity with the teams. So like I said, the number one thing is I think that the best thing we've ever done in our lives and as a church is a consistent team night for worship team. Um, And we, in every season of the church, I think this is an Andy Stanley thing, is never stop working on the system. So what worked for us two years ago, we just, you know, the Holy Spirit just starts, you know, appealing to us again, going like it's time to change again. Uh, we'll never stop doing team night, but it's how we do it that keeps changing and evolving. So uh, Pastor Rich, he does team nights out at our Napa campus um, because Napa to Vacaville is like a 20-minute drive, but at 6 o'clock at night, it's an hour drive. So we would see 50% attrition in our Napa team making it out to team night, and then you got these people that you're like, man, they're not getting the DNA, and they're not getting the unity. And so he runs team night at our Napa campus. Um, and so our team nights are so amazing that like, we don't want anybody to miss out on them. So the thought of like other campuses not being at Vacaville, we're just like, oh, is this, is that like the right thing? Um, so long story short, what we do at our other campuses is our East Bay campus is like 10 to 15 people on that worship crew. So they might meet at a house and just make it more of a, um, you know, like, Hey, let's just all bring some dessert. And we're just going to like hang out and let's worship for a bit. We'll pray for each other. And just the, that connection point for that campus is, is awesome. Mm-hmm. And then what we do in, uh, in Vacaville then is if there's something that we want to address to all the teams, then we'll record it on video and we'll post it to YouTube on a private link. And then these guys can bring it up at their campuses um, and say, hey, let's just join uh, Pastor Joseph and Tasha. just wanted to share this five-minute thing with everybody. And then boom, they see that and then they, they have their thing. So Roseville campus uh, is our newest um, and they do the same kind of a thing. So, yeah, I think it's it's just do what's natural, organic. It's like if we just want to come and hang out and worship together, that's going to do so much. Right. Um, and as the Holy Spirit starts to move in those settings, people just go, man, I love you. And like, oh, man, I used to hate you, but I love you now. You know, it does so much, right? Yeah. And then as he leads, you can start programming different things into there. But um, just the power of getting together as worshipers and just go, like, let's just worship God. Let's, let's pray for each other. Um, you know, we're not just team members. Let's actually, like, man, what's going on in life? You know, and that stuff is so, so huge. Yep. Good. You, know you answered it. Good. Yes. Oh, there's a song. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Right. Oh, I'm my favorite song. I hear this sort of talk or something like 
Right. Mm-hmm. So, the church. I got to feel the Holy Ghost when nobody prayed for me. I was living in a <laughs> And I was singing Amazing Grace. No music, no orchestra, nothing. And I started singing in the street from the natural to Wow. So, I'm a teacher and I try to show people that he's not into music. That's just a, that's like just the icing on the top. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So you're asking basically, how do we teach the church as a whole worship? Right. I tell people that's why I have a job, because it takes everything, every strategy. Uh, it takes, we do, we do series on worship at our church to talk about biblically what is worship. Um, we slip it in whenever possible. I just spoke this last weekend on a series in called Open Doors, but I talked about at the very end, like, what is worship? It's our decisions. The, you know, Romans 12.1 says that all of our life is worship, right? So we teach on that. But then I did say there is a supernatural connection between music and singing and the presence of God. So we just, whether it's that, uh, something else, if you can check this out, and I'd encourage you guys to do this. If you go to tfhworship.com, which is our worship site, if you click on resources, there's a little uh, menu that pops down, and you can click on this week. And then, uh, we, in fact, I showed our church this this weekend. So every week, we post every song that we're doing at every campus on our website. Um, it's usually up by Wednesday. So like the really hardcore like people that are like, I'm going. Um, they can go on and learn the songs before they even come to church. Uh, but then on the other side of it, if they come to church and they go, man, I love that new song. What is that? Then they can go click on it and it goes right to iTunes. And that's one way that we try to invest in our church to say you can build your own worship libraries. This is stuff we've vetted out. Um, and it's just been a great resource that people are like, I can't believe this is here. So it's just we, we teach, we model it, we Talk lead them, it. we do everything we can because uh, it takes everything just to good. train on worship. But yeah, good question. Okay, I, yeah, that's all your time. So how can uh, our pastor, so what's, how can we set you guys up for the It's good. Awesome. So the question is from a lead pastor, how can you set worship guys up to win? Um, you know, there's many ways, but I think, uh, were you in Pastor Rick's session in here? Okay, I think I just saw you around. Um, he was talking about how life-giving atmospheres and teams and everything is just really about love and re- true, genuine relationship. So I think one of the biggest things, and I could say it's kind of an unfair advantage we have with Pastor Dave being a former worship pastor. So he gets where we're coming from. Um, and then there's also unique things, too, where he's like, don't do it like that. Do it like this. And you're like, yeah, I guess you know what you're talking about. So, uh, which is great. My previous church, even though my, my pastor wasn't a worship guy, um, I just even valued every week we'd go get coffee and we would just debrief the previous weekend. And even though he wasn't a music guy, um, I actually liked that a lot because then if you have great leaders, then you can say, hey, from a leadership thing, here's where, uh, try this for connecting with people in between this part. Or this is where this transition could have used some work. I don't know the musical sense for that, but... I just think it's that open, consistent feedback, communication. Um, one of the things that her dad has really modeled is when the, when the feedback 
and the relationship is consistent, it never feels personal. You know, if it's like, uh-oh, pastor's talking to me again, I really screwed up again, right? But if it's just like, no, we just always go to coffee 10 a.m. on Tuesdays, and like, dude, today all he said was like, man, I'm proud of you. Like, you crushed it. I'm so, this is amazing. And it's like, oh my gosh, then the next week when he knows he fell flat, then you, you're able to go, hey, you can meet him. Well, we made it, didn't we? Okay. So let's talk about it. how can we fix that? Then he's like, you're right, man. Yeah. Um, so among a lot of other things, but I think just that consistency and the, um, I think the relationship. Too, yeah, communication and then I think communicating the services, because we've been in atmospheres where we've like gone to a different church, you know, and you're trying to honor them, and then here comes the pastor up on stage, and you're like, did I do something wrong? Because in our atmosphere, we just kind of have this honor system where if dad comes up or a pastor comes up, it's because they have like a prophetic word or direction or something. So if we see them coming up, we're like, okay, but if they're coming up with like transitioning the service, then it's like... Well, like we're doing something wrong. So I think having that communication with the leader, because sometimes too, like as a leader, you know, a past lead pastor, if the worship is tanking or the worship leaders are just going on forever and you're like, we gotta get to the word. You wanna get up there and just control it, like, okay, stop, thank you guys, all right, I'm gonna take a seat. So if you have some kind of communication or way of talking even before service or this is how the services go, if I do come up or this is what it's going to look like, I think it frees us up as the worship people to go like, oh, okay, he's not trying to control me, and but yet we're working together to make the atmosphere what he wants because ultimately the leader, what the pastor wants is what needs to happen. He's the lead. Whether you agree with it or not, get over yourself because it's not about you. But we need to honor them and what they want. So if they want two songs... We're doing two songs, and we're giving it our all. But if they also like, hey, let's have a little pocket in the middle, okay, let's do it. But the communication is huge. So just having that dialogue, I feel like if more pastors would communicate to the worship crew, there would be a lot more help, yeah, and honoring in those atmospheres. So to reiterate the question for the uh, tape, so how do we train worship leaders to not just go through songs, but actually have that intention of like, I'm going somewhere with this set? So. I think one of the things is definitely modeling it as the main pastor, one, and then as the worship pastors or the main worship leader. If you're not modeling it, no one's going to go with you. Yeah. And that is one of that, like, is what burns in my heart so strong. You could ask our team, like, if people just get up there and sing a song, I like, oh no. And it's not about like doing some prophetic, crazy long thing, but sing the song. Like this morning, I sang, I don't know how many times I sang that song that we sang, but it wasn't, for me, it wasn't like, I'm doing the song again, okay, I'll just do it like I always do. No, there's something new in my spirit right. because of yeah. where we, the atmosphere. Here's all right. these pastors 
we need to connect with Jesus right now. They need to go somewhere. So in me, I'm like, let's sing it like it's the first time and we're going to go 100%. So I think for us, it's just we constantly are modeling that and telling our team, and leave everything out on the stage. Leave everything out on the yeah. court. Do not hold back. Yeah. Go 100%. Uh, to that point. Yes. Be today, like, we're the we're the point of the arrow. Right. We're, we're, this is not just singing. We're, we're warfare. Like, totally. Right. I think, so our team nights, we obviously reiterate that a lot. We talk about what we're doing personally in our lives, the getting right. back to the secret place. We talk about the basics, getting sin out of the way, all that stuff. But just an example, Sunday I was leading our, our main uh, campus team, and one of the people that was leading, I could just feel it, you know, the 9 a.m., they're like, oh, I like looked over and I was like, no. So then after service, I'm like, yo, I know that like it's early, but that does not matter. Like there are people in here who don't know Jesus, and what if your one moment to even just lift your hands is going to change the atmosphere? So we're just pretty like I would say intense, but we're just very strategic about it. Like after service, I will pull her aside before the next service. Get it together. Is it something personal or what? Oh, I'm just tired. Okay, go get caffeine. Jump. Do a couple jumping jacks. And then get out there. Not to do a show, but just like, yeah. let's go. Yeah. yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Life is short. But a vapor. Let's give it all. Maybe so. this will help you. We have a Saturday night and two Sundays. Saturday night's a party. It's louder. No time constraints. Some of there are, but we're not as rigid to it. So my new thing now is every service I just go, hey, there is no 9 o'clock. We only do Saturday nights. And so at 9 o'clock, like, hey, this is Saturday night, part two, let's go. And then 11 o'clock, so we do breakfast in the green room. So now everybody's like, you know, blood's in their yeah. stomach. And maybe they've gotten some coffee. I'm like, come on, Saturday night, part three, let's go. And I actually told them, like, maybe we should just slap each other before we go. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, whoa, okay, let's go. You know, so you've been patient. Let's get to okay, over. Sorry. Behind, oh, can I go behind you? And I'll try to get to you. She's been waiting for a while. Yes. We're going to end, too. It's 4.03. Mm. So the confidence is jump around more and they'll respond, but the other side is the content isn't giving them something to respond. Yeah, we we were just talking about this because, um, especially in the up-tempo praise songs, right? So we break through with praise, Um, you know, theologically. It's every time they go up against an enemy, you know, they'd inquire to God, what do we do? Send Judah first. So if we don't send praise first... Then you don't break through. Then you get to the back half of your list, and it's just like, okay, now we've just gone introspective, and it's like people are just glad you're not yelling at them anymore. Um, so, but we've talked about that, and for our own crew, we're just like, so our personal thing, like we're going to write some more of those breakthrough, up-tempo praise songs, not just ones that make you jump, but that as every person, like it's easy, like the song Glorious Day. That is a song that's easy to break through with because it's just like, that is everything I want to say. And when I taught that song, the first song, like, you're going to want to throw a chair across the auditorium when you sing this. Don't do that. That's going to hurt people. But let's go, you know. Um, so, yeah, because it, it really is. It's, I mean, it's content. It, you know, it's not one or the other. Right. So you're saying he wants the songs that feel great, but you're saying, like, these don't say anything. Right, right, right. 
I think it's just that open dialogue and conversation to go, hey, this is my perspective. This is what my thought on this is. And ultimately, I've been wrong before, and I think as the worship people, it's just, you know, have the humility to go like, Pastor, whatever you want to do, let's go, you know. Um, And so we've done songs before that Pastor Dave wanted us to do that all of us are like, oh, God. (laughs) But then we'll do it, and then you're like, okay, you get a win in that kind of way. Um, So just, you know, everything really comes back. Let's just be nice humans. Let's talk to each other. And everything will go so much better. Right. If you have a question, we'll uh, we'll stick up here. So I know, sir, if you want to come up. Uh, when you leave the door, they are passing out these their download cards. So if you follow the instructions on there, you can get a free download of our album Pursuit. We want to give that to you. And uh, thanks, thanks for letting us chat with us, guys. Thank you.